I'm turning on the grill. Beep, boop. That's not the sound the grill makes. Hey there, bun buddies, and welcome to License to Grill, a Bob's Burgers podcast, brought to you by the Ultimate Tabletop Network. I'm your host, Zalzazane, and with me is my partner, Kim! This week, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 4, Sexy Dance Fighting, enjoying a delicious chevray, which way but loose, burger, and testing our knowledge with trivia. Fun fact, the burger is based off a Clint Eastwood movie. And I know that doesn't seem very fun. This movie came out in 1978. It's called every which way but loose the only reason i want to bring it up to you because i really think you'd like the synopsis are you ready for this uh let let me just affix my socks and there's one and there's two and i am sitting down in a position for my socks to be blown off blown right off synopsis for every which way but loose the san fernando valley adventures of trucker turned prize fighter philo badeau and his pet orangutan clyde orangutan does he fight with the orangutan or is the orangutan just there there were photos of clint eastwood holding a monkey okay i (laughs) i saw that and i was like uh i have to talk about that because that's like right up your silly alley whoa 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 whoa. orangutans are not monkeys Uh, they are great apes Grape apes. Only if they're purple, though. Grape flavored. The San Fernando Valley purple orangutans. Okay, well, I I apologize to all monkeys out there. And apes. Exactly. But mostly It's not Planet of the Monkeys. Anyways, I thought that was really funny. This is episode four of the first season, Sexy Dance Fighting, which is one of my favorite titles of the show. It originally aired on February 13th, 2011. It had an average rating of 7.5 on IMDb. It was directed by Anthony Chun. It was written by Lauren Bouchard, Jim Dotrieve and Stephen Davis. Fun fact, the voice of Gyro is done by none other than John Glasser, who you might know as Councilman Jam from Parks and Recreation. Oh, did I just get jammed? <laughs> you jammed you so hard. <laughs> I was very surprised by that when I was looking at the episode. He's a very white man. Anyways, uh, John Glasser does a great job. He's very funny. The synopsis is, when Tina develops a crush on the new martial arts instructor in town, she joins the class and ends up shirking her responsibilities at the restaurant. Bob finds out what's going on and decides to take matters into his own hands or his own butt. Sounds like he more took matters out of his own butt. He. First question, before we get into the opening gags, who was your first adult crush? That would be... Crap, what's that person's name? Are you okay if an actor? Yep. Did you have any, like, real people crushes? Not really. All the adults in my life up until basically high school were septuagenarians, who I was not attracted to. They were obsessed with the number seven? Uh, yep. Also, they were 70 plus years old. (laughs) Good. But I think when I was Tina's age, I had the biggest crush on my advanced placement literature teacher. He was also the keyboard player in the jazz band, which I also played in. Wow. Yeah. Dynamic. He was just a cool dude that made lots of dad jokes and was really smart and liked to talk about Shakespeare. But also we could talk about Pokemon. That's when I was really into Pokemon. When we went on a school trip for band, he was our chaperone. And on the second day of the trip, I got the 
well, I guess I can relate to Bob. I got the worst food poisoning and had things coming out all over the place and basically had to stay in the hotel in bed. And this teacher brought me back a pack of Pokemon playing cards, which I still have to this day. That is a very sweet story. He was a cool guy. We're friends on Facebook. Don't listen to this podcast. So mine would be Kate Beckinsale from the Underworld movies. I mean, yeah. Look, I'm relatively straight and I get it because she was a vampire. Because she was a bad, bad girl who was able to take down all those werewolves. I do not like you saying bad, bad girl. Wow. I'm trying not to swear. This is a family-friendly show. For the opening gags, the building next to Bob's Burgers is Meth I Can, Methadone Clinic. I don't remember Bob's Burgers being this edgy in the beginning in season one. I feel like it really kind of tamed out throughout the rest for these gags. I mean, we're going to find out. We are, yes. Van Watch. And the exterminator truck is Rats All Folks again. Yeah. And I swear, if it is Rats All Folks in the next episode, I am going to scream. For ice cream? Until you put ice cream in my mouth, yes. <laughs> I'm not buying ice cream for that. You can scream a lot. Then I will. We're going to get evicted. The next episode is just going to be me all screaming. <laughs> like a goat. Like a chevre. <laughs> the episode opens with Tina doing her, uh, for the first time. Her classic Tina, awkward teenager, moan, groan. We're going to say groan. I don't want to think, I, mo, no. The inquiry is what's wrong. To which Linda replies is puberty. And Louise says, and this is one of my favorite lines of the entire episode. Yeah, she's pubing out pretty bad. Is that going to be the quote of the episode? I hope not. No one should ever use the ter- the words pubing out real bad in a sentence. But it was funny. It was my first laugh of the episode, at least. Tina is upset because Jordan Sturman, who she plays kickball with, has moved to- out of town. Did your puberty hit you that hard? I don't think my mustache blossomed as nicely as Tina's did. I definitely had a lot of those moments with boys, though. Not that they leave, but that they like my friends better than <laughs> I mean, Yikes. it's fine. It just means that I was friends with some really cute girls in high school. I'm glad I didn't date boys in high school. Boys are stupid. Yes, we are. So stupid. You know what? That's going to be my presidential campaign slogan. Boys are stupid? Yes, we are. <laughs> that could be your presidential campaign slogan, and our posters will be side to side. So I'll be president, you'll be vice president? I'll be first lady, thank you very much. First mister? Yep. Good. You know, puberty never hit me that way. Uh, for me, it was just pain from growing really fast so my bones always hurt and I was always just angry and tired. So you didn't have bonitis? I had big time bonitis. Boneritis? Yep that too. Good. I had lots of big feelings in high school and going through puberty. My mom and I oh my god I'm talking about my mom again. My mom and I had a rocky relationship once I started bleeding. Once I started pubing out real bad. Once shark week hit everything became an argument. I didn't like my mom telling me what to do. I had lots of feelings. So to Tina's dismay her miserableness no one in the family really seems to care that's pretty much the teenage experience or at least how it feels to be a teenager generally disregarded because everyone goes through it and thinks that it doesn't really matter your parents just don't understand bob tells tina to mop the floor (laughs) louise and gene are jerks and tell tina to kill herself that wasn't so good yeah it was a little weird tying back to the edge that season one seems to have and in general maybe don't even if it's a joke 
don't tell people to kill themselves because yeah. that's it's dangerous these days because someone might actually do it and it will be your fault because you told them to. It's true. I, it's funny because I was thinking about this, right? Gene is generally my favorite character. I find him delightful. Watching this episode because he's not really a big part of it. He's really just sort of, I always think of like Mean Girls. Louise is very clearly the Regina George of the Bob's Burgers family. And Jean would be, I don't remember her name, but she's the one that grabs her boobs and thinks that she has ESPN. Can tell the weather by touching her boobs, but only when it's raining. He's a bit of a follower and he's kind of judgmental, which when I think of Jean, that's not usually the words that I use. Jean is very loving and accepting overall. But, you know, maybe this is part of his character growth and development. This is, you know, the first season growing pains. First season's going through puberty. They're all pubing out real bad. We also get the first mention of Linda's best friend, Ginger, whose cat has died of hilarious uh, happenstance. What sort of happenstance would be funny enough to outweigh a cat dying? I was thinking about this because I was going to ask you the same question. Being shot out of a cannon dressed as a clown? It's a tough sell. It is. And I think, again, this kind of comes back to this idea of trying to be a little bit more edgy. They haven't found that wholesome, wholesome vibe yet. It it definitely helps that Linda doesn't give any specifics because then that leaves it up to interpretation. And after that, you know, uh, Jean and Louise take their exit. They say that they're going to go have a childhood, which I think is hilarious. And Bob and Tina have this moment where Bob gives her the, you're the oldest, so you have more responsibility lecture. Now, I'm the youngest, so I didn't have that problem. I could off and do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I had the opposite. I couldn't do anything or say anything. Despite being the oldest, that didn't account for anything because the youngest was six years younger than me. I had to match my activities and verbal output to that age range. That's brutal. I had to set the example because I know better. Huzzah. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of where Bob is coming from, right? Is I can't trust them on the grill, so you have to work on a Saturday morning. What teenage kid wants to work on a Saturday morning when they could be outside running around and causing havoc? Not long after this pretty real moment, I think that's one of the things I like about the season is that they do sort of interject these really good, relatable moments. Like the first episode, there was Bob and his negative self-talk in the reflection of the window in the window of the burger shop. But Louise and Jean come back and say that they found the greatest thing in their life, except the day you kids were born, which I thought was funny. Especially coming from the youngest. Is Louise the youngest? Louise is the youngest. I can see that. Middle child just kind of goes along with whatever. So Louise and Jean take Tina and blindfold her. I feel like this would be, if Tina wasn't such a like people pleaser and as awkward as she was, I feel like this is the kind of prank that you would put on the youngest. Like this is what I feel like my two older brothers would have done to me is blindfold me and make me walk ahead of them. In fact, Tina, <laughs> Tina makes the comment, points it out, goes, shouldn't you lead? And Louise <laughs> says that would ruin the surprise. This did bring about one of my favorite sight gags of this episode mm-hmm. where Tina is blindfolded and has her glasses on top of the blindfold. Oh, I didn't even recognize that. That's awesome. It is a great sight gag. Uh, oh, 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 sight gag. I get it. Because eyes. <laughs> <laughs> The surprise, the greatest thing in Louise's life reveals to be the Capoeira studio where inside we see Gyro doing his sexy dance fighting. And there's this moment where there's that sort of slow motion, very clear Tina is falling in love, teenage love struck if it was an 80s movie or even in Wayne's World you would have heard like the Dreamweaver song Dream 
Weaver or something similar. Kate Bush. And this is where we first see Gyro. Yep. Wait, Gyro, played by John Glazer, aka Councilman Jam. You've been jammed. Oh, jam attack. Interesting thing. That's always how I interpreted Gyro as not someone who is authentically Brazilian, but a white guy with a tan who got really into yoga and then adapted <laughs> into capoeira. <laughs> He's one of those bougie yoga guys. Yeah. The guy who gets dreadlocks and doesn't think it's offensive and wears um hemp braided necklace with puka shells in it. Exactly. Oh boy. Youch. So Tina signs up. Tina decides that that's what she needs to do. Uh, and she comes back to the restaurant with the DVD. If you remember DVDs, they were discs that you would put into a DVD player and it would play movies. This was before Netflix, young whippersnappers. This was during Netflix when Netflix was a, a mail order system for you to <laughs> order DVDs in the mail. Oh man, I totally forgot about that. Do you remember we used to do like those publisher clearing, not publisher clearing houses, what were they called? The clearing house ones where you get books. Pick 45 books from 99. I thought those were CDs. No, they did CDs too. Oh, I didn't know about the books. Yeah, they used to do it with books too. Wow. And then if you didn't cancel, they would send you, they would charge you $10 a month and you'd get sent another book. Still a pretty good deal. Books are like 20 bucks now. Now, that's inflation, baby. (laughs) 200% inflation on books. Yay. We get to watch this DVD, the Capoeira DVD, where Gyro talks about Capoeira and says it's the most seductive form of self-defense. It combines peacefulness, fighting, and cardio in perfect harmony. This sounds like a low production white guy DVD. It is both breathtaking but also breath giving. Yeah that was like the cringe part for me. I was just like ah yikes. And we get introduced to the tambourine or the pandero. Pandero sounds right to me. So Bob Bob is obviously watching this video with the family. You can see how immediately jealous he is. Just brimming with jealousy that his daughter wants to spend time with an adult male that isn't Bob. I don't know if he picks up that she has a crush. Maybe it's because he hasn't seen Gyro yet. I feel like he also kind of ignores Tina's pubescent things as best he can. Her budding sexuality. Her pubing out all over the place. (laughs) Bob says that she doesn't need a male model to teach her how to fight. That's what dads are for. Yeah, I was taught how to fight by my uncle. And that's as far as I want to get into that story. Alright, moving along. This is our first instance of Gene with the tambourine. It's pretty much Gene's whole deal this episode. Gene with a pandero? Uh, he has a tambourine. In fact, he argues that they're basically the same thing. Tambourine, 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 tambourine. He knows how to shake it. <laughs> it cuts to Tina bothering her dad with the incessant gyro quotes. Do you remember any of them? I wrote them down because I wasn't going to remember. I was going to make it a trivia question. That would have stumped me. Gyro knows a lot about life. Gyro can hypnotize animals, but only if they want him to, which they always do. Gyro says toothpaste insults your teeth. Gyro only needs two hours of sleep a night because he knows how to regulate his heart. Gyro sleeps with his eyes open. Do you think by regulate his heart, they mean in the love sense or the physical sense? My guess is physical. Like, can can slow his heart down to the point where he's so chill he's basically sleeping? Maybe on the verge of death? Maybe he's a vampire. That would put a whole different spin on the show. Uh, and then we get introduced to one of the Bob's Burgers quotes that I use the most. Oh, was his shut shit Brazil. We use it constantly. So this is while Tina is at the lesson. 4.30 happens and Tina is supposed to be back at the grill. But Gyro says that only the people that take capoeira seriously will stay for the extra hour. So Tina feels 
stuck, but also he wants to look at Gyro. So does the kid next to Tina. Looks like she's not the only one with budding sexuality. Everyone's sexuality is budding. Bob's is butting. Oh. Oh, because his butt. Speaking of his butt, Bob and Linda in the restaurant are having a conversation where Bob is upset because Tina is not back because it is 4.30, which means it's time for the afternoon poop. And Tina is still, according to Linda, at her kookaburra class. <laughs> kookaburra. <laughs> I love Linda. Bob, of course, is too stubborn to go and get Tina. He says that he's going to postpone his meeting until 1030. And Linda offers the sage advice of just to have little meetings throughout the day. A little poops throughout the day. Are people regular enough that they can plan their meetings? Uh, I think some people are. I am not one of those. My meetings are spontaneous and often very lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get wrapped up in TikTok. I get it. You got a TikTok while you poop. Mine are about a half hour warning. Oh. But sometimes that is not enough and you get caught in some real photo finishes. You get caught in a jam. Oh, I just got jammed. And if you don't get to the toilet soon enough, you have a poop catastrophe. Yep. I guess Bob does go to the place then. Bob shows up at the Capoeira studio. Tina is embarrassed, as all teenagers are of their parents. Did you know that Tina was originally supposed to be a boy character? I saw. I watched the unaired pilot recently. Oh, if you would like us to review the unaired pilot, let us know, and maybe we'll do it. You can let us know at ultimatetabletopnetwork at gmail.com. Gyro introduces himself. Oi, I am Gyro, like Gyre. He tries to get Bob to take off his shoes in the Capoeira studio. Bob refuses. Jared tries to encourage him to stay. I enjoy helping elderly men repair their aging bodies. That's rude. I'm going to introduce a new segment right now. Boop, 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 new segment. I've got beef. So in this, it really sets up that Bob is the bad guy here by stepping into the dojo and stepping up to Gyro. Yep. When I think Gyro is shooting the first shots here, you know? I help elderly men with their aging bodies. Ooh. I mean, Gyro's definitely a jerk. And I think that's the thing is that we all, we're often seeing the episode almost through Bob's lens where Tina sees him as this, you know, dreamboat with muscles and his own successful store. Whereas his dad is a dad bod with a failing burger store. Extreme Capoeira Studio. Yeah. Capoeira to the extreme! While I agree, Bob was mildly disrespectful by not taking off his shoes, he was also picking up his daughter, which shouldn't require the whole ceremony of shoes off. Yeah, I agree. And then Gyro really laying into him immediately. I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm, I'm 100% on board. There's no part of Gyro that I like, aside from the fact that he says funny, stupid things that make me laugh. Like, oh, ponytail. And this even goes further, right? So he makes that comment, Bob is like Tina let's go and then Gyro's like well now I need to even flex more so let's Against somebody who he just said was an older opponent with an aging body and then really overdoes it. Yeah, like overkills. Not quite as overkill as the second battle between them, but definitely is out to make Bob look like a fool, which is not cool. I mean, Bob is a bit of a jerk in the same sense. Gyro doesn't know a lot of that. So they fight. We hear ponytail for the first time. And while they're fighting, we have another, uh, 
it from Tina. Yep, that is the introduction to Tina's stressed out stress noise. And you see her pacing a little bit, which she starts to do more and more in the in the show. Bob falls and his pants. I found that really relatable. I definitely haven't my pants after a capoeira fight but i have pooped my pants like i said before there have been some photo finishes and real close calls up to the point that i've had to find poorly guarded construction sites to use their porta potties i've had the that was not a fart moment and i'm okay talking about it because everyone their pants at some point well okay let's be real everyone's already done it because you're a baby you your pants all the time and when you're old when you're an elderly man who needs their bodies repaired their aging bodies repaired you were also going to start pooping your pants it's that circle of poop it's a circle of poop everyone poops their pants now we cut back to the house after the incident where linda is telling the kids almost in a panic while bob is showering to act normal act normal let's pretend it didn't happen and the bob walks into the room and linda immediately says so you pooped your pants yeah, in my notes I have that as recovery and general mockery. <laughs> I think Linda is, I think she's just trying to make it seem like it's not a big deal, even though he pooped his pants. And I think maybe part of her realizes that if she doesn't say it, one of the kids is going to say it first. Do you think it's partially performative as she's still on the phone with Ginger? I don't think so. I think, I mean, okay, to be fair, I think Linda is always performative because that's her thing. That's her jam. Oh, she's got jam. I think that's just who Linda is. And I think that's her nervous response. It's like laughing at the cat dying, you know? Louise throws out a fun fact in which it only takes two pounds of pressure to drive the nose bone into someone's brain. Only two pounds. And uh, Bob inquires to why this was thrown in her direction. And of course it's for revenge. You know, I'm really excited about Louise in this season. She seems almost bloodthirsty and ready for chaos. Yeah, we see that like way later in the re- in the restaurant in a, in a bit later. She's pulling out all the implements of death. Mm-hmm. Also, this is the moment where we get tambourine sound number two. Revengerine, 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 revengerine. Revengerine, revengerine, revengerine. I have to highlight it because Jean is not in this episode at all and it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's really not heartbreaking, but it makes me sad because I love Jean. He is very backgroundy in the first few. Yeah. Uh, Bob assumes that after the incident, Tina is going to quit, which I think is a little presumptuous. Just a bit. Not even a conversation. Just, yeah, you're quitting. Yeah, you're quitting. I poop myself. And so she immediately splays herself on the floor again, saying that she's going... Burger dog. Burger dog. Burger dog. Shaking around like a burger dog. If anybody's curious about who's holding the gun in our podcast cover art, it's Oreo, the burger dog. Burger dog. Burger dog. Burger dog, burger dog, burger dog. Bob assumes that Tina is going to quit. Tina is upset visibly by this by splaying herself on the floor again and groans. And Bob makes fun of her groan. That's his follow up. And then everyone makes fun of her groan. It really jumps into a groaning contest there. My Marge Simpson. Mm. Homer. Ah. <laughs> Ow. Ow. 
read your back some. Gyro shows up to the restaurant with a message supposedly from Tina stating that she was upset and needed some encouragement to come back to the studio. You know, that's a little bit unclear. It wasn't just a message. He held up a piece of paper yeah. that Louise scrawled out a message on indicating that Tina needed encouragement to come back. Yeah. So it would be weird for that to come from Tina herself. Oh, that's fair. So yeah, I guess it's an anonymous message. Because he didn't seem to think it was from Bob or anybody in the family. Just Tina needs help. That's this true. is where to find her. Mystery though he, solved. Though he didn't say, that, the note didn't say that she was on the floor, which was a bit of a surprise because she pops up. He's like, oh, I did not know you were there. Uh, so while Bob and Gyro have this conversation, there's a lot of sight gags. This is where we see Louise pulling out a knife. I believe she pulls out a whisk and a cheese grater at some point as if to encourage Bob to murder Gyro. Gyro makes a lot of judgmental sounds at the menu as he looks it over because there is no fresh squeezed juice selection. I do like Bob's response though where he just gives him another menu. That was fun, yes. Bob sort of lowers himself to Gyro's level where he starts making fun of him. Tina defends Gyro and tells Gyro that her dad pooped in his pants. Gyro tries to help him out after that once he finds out. Well, no. He makes fun of Bob. He goes, it makes sense that a wounded animal would have a bowel movement when defeated by a much stronger predator. That's not really helping out. Well, he offers him some sphincter tightening exercises. That's kind of helping. That's true. And you do get to see Gene doing them in the booth. He's going to feel that tomorrow. There is sort of, there's this moment where Gyro mentions that there's this belt ceremony where Tina has to perform a test, the Troca, troca des Cordoes, Cordeus? Troca de Cordios? Cordeos? Teddy says it's better than I do. But there's a belt ceremony where Tina can be upgraded to yellow belt, yellow cord, and that she's invited and Bob tells her that she can't go. Tina picks Gyro ultimately and storms off. Bob tries to ground Tina. That was a bit of a heartbreaking moment when Tina chose her capoeira instructor over her own father. Well, the real heartbreaking part was when she was like, you would go if I was a hamburger. That was heart lightning. That was very funny to me. I I thought that was sad because that means her dad likes hamburgers more than he likes her. It, it sounded to me like she was reaching for anything that he likes in order to hurt him. What else does Bob like? Linda, the kids, kind of, his restaurant. Where he makes? Hamburgers. Yeah, okay. Yep, fun fact. I was a karate guy for a long time. Yep. And I made it to yellow belt. Is yellow belt the second color? In my dojo, it was like the fourth color. Oh. Yeah, but I got stuck about halfway because my brain stopped working and I was unable to memorize all the things to pass on to the next level. And that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> in the background, we see the these collards don't run burger, which is interesting. So there's a couple of burgers where they touch on the theme of the episode, particularly in this moment, which I found really interesting. So I Googled these colors don't run. And according to a New York City professor, it's a simple pun, right? So we speak of colors and fabric running when they're washed colors bleed into another and fade, right? Like that's the kind of very clear surface level explanation. But when we speak of running away from something, 
Similarly, colors can mean simply the colors of some physical object, but it's also used to mean the flag. So you're running away from the flag, as in you're running away from your patriotic duty, as in you're running away because you're a coward. It's weird, and it's interesting because in this particular scene, Tina is running away from her dad. So is the burger of the day a reflection of Bob's feelings? Double symbolic, because Gyro has the Brazilian flag up behind him during his various dojo scenes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We actually haven't even talked about the other burgers of the day this episode there's actually four if you can believe it otherwise you forget forget about it Uh. which is one of the other ones so there is the chevre which way but loose there's these collards don't run there's the rockford files burger which is based off the rockford files television show which is just about a pi in california and then there was the forget about it burger which is like that sort of like New York gangster kind of language. It's a lot of burgers for an episode. It is. And the Bob's Burgers Burger Book only had one of the burgers in there, which is Chevrolet Which Way But Loose Burger. I was expecting there to be more in there. The book has multiple burgers from single episodes in it, but for this one where there's four burgers, it only had one, which my guess is that this one was the one that made the most sense and was the easiest to make. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see what the forget about it burger is, because obviously figs are involved. So I'm kind of curious how those flavors would work. Maybe it'll show up again. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, So Bob refuses to go to the cord ceremony. And Linda makes a comment about, like, what do you think she was going to spend her whole life flipping burgers with you? And we cut to uh, Tina standing next to Bob in a grad uniform flipping a burger. Tina in her wedding dress. And Tina with a little baby Tina attached to her, which I thought was funny. That was very cute. Though extremely dangerous because a baby in front of a grill (laughs) that catches fire? In a cartoon? How dare they make a visual prank? Hey, if they want to break my immersion, fine. And Tina leaves. Oh, Bob refuses to go. And then this is where Tina makes the comment of, if I were a hamburger, you'd come watch me fight. Which, again, you think is funny. I think it's quite sad. If we have any artists in the fans, any fun buddies who are artists, please, please send us some art of a hamburger doing capoeira. That would be so great. That would be really funny. This is where we get our second to last tambourine, where we get Tina Reen. Tina Reen, Tina Reen, Tina Reen. Tina Reen, Tina Reen, cha cha cha. Tina Reen. Tina, 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 Tina Reen! as the rest of the family goes. One of the things that I do appreciate is despite how mean Louise and Jean have been to Tina in this episode, you know, pulling out her mustache hair, uh, making fun of her, you know, telling her to kill herself, all of that type of stuff. I know. They still go to her show. Like, they still go. They go attend her karate concert. The What Linda calls the karate concert, which I really like. And this is where you find out also that Louise has carved Bob's credit card into a ninja star, which she throws at him and slaps him right in the face with it, suggesting that he should kill Gyro with it. Now there's this really interesting exchange. Teddy and Mort are in the burger place. Teddy and Mort are having their lunch per usual. Bob brings it up and Teddy kind of calls him out about it. He makes this whole reference to this is her becoming a woman, <laughs> a woman, which is weird, but also, you know, there is this sort of ritualistic aspect to stuff like this. It's like, you know, you graduate class, you know, you go up a belt in a you go up a belt in a martial arts 
you get first string in band, you know, big life changes. It means that she's, you know, means that Tina's doing something on her own. And I think that's where Teddy means that she's becoming a woman, despite the fact that she's peeping out really hard. Uh, but Bob and, and Teddy, like, almost come to blows over it. You know what? I, I've always struggled with that, which maybe because I didn't have those kind of ceremonies or those kind of events in any particular way. But ceremonies like that, where it's a ceremony for every occasion, feels unnecessary. Like in this case where Tina doesn't do a lot of things and she's achieving something, sure, great. But in general, I feel like you don't need to make such a big deal out of every event. I don't think people make a big deal out of every... I mean, I do. Okay, now I definitely think people make a big deal out of every event. Like, that's why we have gender reveal parties, which are idiotic. But I think, particularly in these types of situations, I know it doesn't seem over the course of the episode like Tina has done a lot, but if there are four burgers of the day, that means there's been four days in this episode. In the episode, it mentions that it's been eight weeks since she started as well. But I mean, in general, Tina, as a character, doesn't achieve a whole lot of things worth celebrating. Yeah, so this is why she should be celebrated. And for this, I can accept the conceit that she's being celebrated for something because that doesn't happen often for her. But in life in general, I struggle with the amount of celebration for mundane things. But you also just don't like having attention on you. That too. Yeah. I would love it if someone threw confetti at me on a Tuesday and said, happy Tuesday, you made it, and then gave me candy. Okay. Wink. Don't throw confetti in this house. I'll make, I'll, I'll throw very vacuumable confetti. <laughs> Good. And not just sparkle dust. Good, 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 good. So there's this conversation when Bob mentions to Teddy that he crapped his pants, he laughs. I like how every, nobody takes it seriously. No one really makes fun of Bob about pooping his pants. They kind of do, like, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Like, it's funny, but it's also, like, really not a big deal. Friendly general mockery. Yeah. Except for Gyro, who's mean. Gyro's a jerk. He is a sexy, sensual, creepy, sexy jerk, uh, which we learn as Gyro is presenting chords to other kids. Tina does her test and fails. Bob shows up and is quite upset and basically calls Gyro out. And while Bob and Gyro are fighting, Tina comes to the realization that her dad is pretty cool, particularly because, you know, he's taking a beating a second time in front of everybody else. You know, I found that a little bit fun, too, that uh, everyone is cheering for Gyro and chanting for Gyro in the beginning till they see that he is just being cruel yeah and then they all start chanting dad 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 yeah tina says this she says says that she believes in her dad and in the background there's like this rocky-esque music as bob fights back and all the kiddos yeah start chanting dad i also really like that moment it was a little weird that they weren't chanting bob they don't know bob's name and tina's yeah. chants dad everybody chants dad yeah what i mean though is tina mm-hmm. is chanting dad and so everyone is chanting dad because that's what they hear mm-hmm. i mean tina's not gonna call her dad bob that'd be that's weird So it cuts to the kitchen, and this is kind of where we wrap up the episode. Tina and Bob are in the kitchen together. Tina is standing and cooking. She does this sick flip sick burger flip and basically tells her dad that he was more or less right and that she was sorry that he was knocked down 25 to 30 times i like those like those are like the like fun little playful jabs but ultimately uh they enjoy spending time together um and she says that she's done with capoeira anyways and is interested in russian kettlebell strength training which bob has no interest in watching he did his fatherly duty with capoeira and encourages tina to take it to her mom (laughs) so it's linda's turn uh there's another really cute moment at the end 
end here where Bob announces that Tina has gotten a promotion and offers her yellow gloves instead of a yellow cord, which I think was really cute. So she's kind of promoted in the kitchen rather than in the Capoeira studio. Louise and Jean run in, stating that they're going to go see the dead seal at the pier, that it won't poke itself. And they're told that they actually are working with much protest. Learn to read the schedule that you write. Because they want to give Tina a day off. And Tina ultimately decides to stay in the kitchen with her dad and have some father-daughter time, which I think is cute. There's also, (laughs) in that moment, Gene also says that he's going to sample the slaps of the dead seal because it sounds like an orgy. Why does he know what an orgy sounds like? Um, I feel like Gene and Louise are aiming for controversial rather than actually knowing what it is. So that's where the episode wraps up. We get a pretty regular scene of them cooking. Nice Brazilian take on their ending theme. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. They're in the kitchen, and that's the end of the episode. I really enjoyed this episode. It's one of the more iconic episodes, especially for Brazil and Ponytail. But I need to ask you, what is your quote of the episode? My quote of the episode is, of course, Revengerine, Revengerine, Revengerine. Excellent. What's your quote of the episode? I was going to go with Revengerine as well. <laughs> so that's pretty great. As much as as much as much we say ponytail and um, Brazil in this house, I think Revengerine is pretty solid. Robot voice. You know what that noise means. It's trivia time. It's trivia time. What is our current score? Our current score is a red hot 13 for you and 0.5 for me. <laughs> I just wanted you to say that. You can also see our current scores in the descriptions below of each episode if you are interested in the score before the trivia occurs. Kim, what trivia do you have for me today? All right, so trivia. We start off with a nice underhanded toss. Okay. Put your phone away. You're not allowed to look at your notes. I remember you losing your absolute sh- last week when I was trying to look at my notes. You were up seven points. So? I have half a point. There should be a handicap here. Get better, bro. All right. Fine. I've watched this episode seven times this week. (laughs) Really? Yes. Three times today. (laughs) Wowza. It's going to be even more embarrassing when I don't remember any of it. (laughs) Probably shouldn't put this part in unless you know for sure. We'll see what my score is, and then I'll decide if I put it in or not. Question numero uno for one point. When Bob and Gyro meet, how does Gyro introduce himself? Oi, I am Gyro, like gyrate. That is correct. You may have one point. Yeah, I just tripled my score. (laughs) Question numero deuce. This better be a poop question. It is not a poop question. Oh. I did think on asking you of when Bob was going to reschedule his 4.30 meeting. 10.30. Yeah, that's correct. But that's not the question. Oh, bonus point? No. Nope. Bonus half point. What does the Capoeira studio smell like to Tina? Exotic, like ranch dressing. That is correct. And lastly, and this is only for one point, but there are three parts to it. What, 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 what? There's only, you have to, there's three answers. And what? The, and the hard get... questions were three points. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. That's how we've always done it's it. It's the second one worth two points? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, so worth three points, but really just one in my heart. I should have picked harder questions then. I was trying to be nice to you this week. You have double my points even if I get this one correct. All right, that's fair. Name all of the musical chants Gene does in the episode. There are three. Tambourine, tambourine, tambourine. Tina-reen, tina-reen, tina-reen. 
Revengerine, Revengerine, Revengerine. That's correct. Technically, he does tambourine twice. Yeah, but I don't think you give me the, the score for getting tambourine twice. No. <laughs> there you go, you did it! Yay! I have six and a half points. And you have 13 points. Yeah. So I got a long mountain to climb, but... I believe there's about 18 episodes in this season, so I have time. Well, and also I'm going to make them way harder next time. Oh, good. That means I'm going to have to do the same. I mean, that doesn't matter, though. Because your questions have been hard, and I still got them all right. On a difficulty level, how difficult are those questions? Those ones? Uh, if I hadn't watched this episode seven <laughs> times, I would go medium spicy. <laughs> Which Taco Bell hot sauce is it? <laughs> Mild. So the burger of the day was Chevrolet Which Way But Loose Burger. It was a bit of an odd one because it didn't have a lot of the ingredients I usually use. You know, mixing up the burger patties, garlic, breadcrumbs, egg, beef. But I also had to mix up Chevrolet sauce. And what I found out when I was cooking this burger is that Chevrolet is just French for goat cheese. You found that out when I told you it was goat cheese. Yep, but also I found out that if you ask people if there is a difference between Chevrolet and goat cheese, fancy people say yes everyone else says not really the bougie people exactly just because goat cheese doesn't sound as nice as chevre cheese which i'm pretty sure is why the car company is called chevrolet <laughs> oh wait that's not So Sorry, was, we have a farm around here. So many cute cows. So we started out with the chevrolet goat cheese. Mixed in a quarter cup of mayonnaise. I'm going to use sneer quotes in this one. Fresh sage, fresh oregano, fresh thyme, and fresh rosemary. Mix all that together and it became a nice kind of thick, pasty sauce. I also had to mix in some finely diced cucumber and tomatoes, which was fine. I don't think I really tasted it in the whole thing, but it was okay. And then, you know, the basics. Fixings for the burger, onions, lettuce. Yeah, I don't think we would have decorated it up with any other sauces and stuff i think that's kind of the thing about the book is try and do it the way the book says you know it's like gordon ramsay used to say stuff like idiot sandwich <laughs> yes but also you eat how it's prepared you have to trust your chef to salt it properly and pepper it and season it asking for something without something can change the balancing flavors of a food like if you took out lemon or say the cucumber cucumbers probably was in there to chill out the spices maybe i don't know anything about cooking i just watch hell's kitchen so that brings us to the burger review as all of our bun buddies know it is a 20 point scale five points per category we're gonna start with umami or savoriness it was savory like there was lots of flavor not the flavors that i generally like it was very tzatziki like very mediterranean yeah look i mean the goat cheese i think tzatziki is made with yogurt it looked like tzatziki first of all because it's like white with a bunch of stuff in it I know tzatziki has cucumber in it. That's why I don't usually like it. Overall, with just like the lettuce and a little bit of red onion, I didn't hate it. It just was different because I'm not used to putting those flavors in my mouth, particularly cucumber. For me, I think we can go with a four out of five for savoriness on that one. I'll give it a 3.5. Oh, okay. And then we're going to come up to mouthfeel. I feel like it was pretty good. I like a soft burger. I don't like it too burnt. And the creaminess of the goat cheese goop on top was pretty good. What are you giving it? Another four, I think. I did not like the texture of the bit of cucumber in it but the creaminess of the chevre cheese was nice i thought it was pretty complimentary to the rest of the burger so i'm also going to give it a four Ooh, high ranking burger how was the 
emotional resonance for you? Did it bring you back to your childhood or into any distinct memories? Yeah, but not good ones because I don't like cucumber. <laughs> so like I immediately knew it had cucumber in it. So I was already like going into the burger being like, you're not going to like this. I didn't not like it. Do you want to dig into that? Any memory in particular that it brought you back to? No, I just think cucumber. I mean, I eat celery, I guess. So I shouldn't say this, but I think just think cucumber is like a useless vegetable. Back from the time that your mom served you stewed cucumbers for dinner and made you sit at the table until you finished the whole pot. My mom never did that. Nice try. Don't deface my mom on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll get her on to review a burger. Yeah, okay. I'm sure she'd love that. Yeah. I'd probably give it a three for that, but I definitely had a negative mindset going in because I am not generally a cucumber fan. For me, I feel like I have had this flavor before somewhere, but I could not dig up in my mind palace where I had it. So I'm going to land on a nice two for that one. Your mind palace is under construction. Yep. Good. The library is poorly lit. The library is closed. That's fair. Any RuPaul Drag Race fan. And then what's the last one? The last category is probably the most important category. Reeatability. Would you eat this again? If I went to a friend's barbecue and these were out on a plate and there weren't hot dogs available, yes. So this is a last resort burger for you. I would not order this in a restaurant. I would not make it. So I feel like if someone made it for me, much like today, I would eat it. I wouldn't be like, oh my god, I'm never eating that. That makes me want to puke. What number are you feeling? I'm gonna give it a three. You know, I'm thinking about the same. I probably wouldn't make this for myself, but I would eat it if somebody gave it to me. Though I suspect there would be a lot more things on it if someone gave it to me. If there are more tomatoes, I definitely would not eat this burger ever again. Tomatoes are vile. You know, interesting thing. Uh, The recipe called for two tomatoes finely diced and then to only use a quarter cup of them. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I did think that. So I only did one tomato and I only diced enough for the quarter cup and the rest is going to be used for gorilla gardening. That's all we have for you this week, Bun Buddies. And please come on back and listen to our next episode next week, Hamburger Dinner Theater. And please... If you enjoyed the burger of the day, please check out our Amazon affiliate link in the comments section. And... Rats all, folks! Rats all, folks. Do-do-do-do-do! Revengerine, revengerine, revengerine!